Kassan in Swahili is dedicated to all you beautiful people around the world. We say Jumbo! to the Global Mission Podcast. My name is Richard Lewis, your host, as we discuss the issues of worldwide missions and the task of the Great Commission. Well, today we have a very special guest on our podcast, uh, all the way from Mongolia, Chris Ballinger. We are really delighted to to have him today. So uh, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. Chris, uh, how are you today? I'm doing really well, sir. I'm excited to do this. This is my first time I've been on someone's podcast before, so I'm a little nervous about this. Ah, don't worry about it. I think the first question I want to ask you, Chris, is this. Where in the heck is Mongolia? <laughs> you know, I didn't even know that until college. Um, we, uh, Mongolia is located, located between Russia and China. And so um, if you guys have ever heard of, of uh, Genghis Khan, um, he was the, the herdsman, the, the, the nomad that united the tribes in Mongolia, the different herders together to, uh, to form a country and take over most of the world. Here they call him Chinggis Khan. Um, I don't, so I don't know where the, the G came from, you know, in, uh, in the Western, Western world. But um, yeah, so that's where we are. We're, we live in the, the country with the coldest desert in the world and the, the world's coldest state, uh, national capital. Um, about three million people. Uh, most people are spread out. They're herders. So you know, we have some big cities. The largest is the capital with the, a little over one and a half million. The next biggest city has about 200,000. And then where we live, we have 3,000 people on our building. Hmm. Uh, this is uh, going, uh, recording you in uh, November. What, uh, what's the temperature there this, uh, this evening where you are? Um, I looked uh, just a little bit ago. I think it was minus eight, eight Fahrenheit. Okay. And how cold will it get there uh, in the, I guess, the dead of winter? Um, you know, right around Christmas time, they call the, the temperature starts dropping at nine degrees every week um, for nine weeks. And so we'll get down to like minus 30, minus 40 by, uh, by you know, sometime in January. And then it starts warming up. Well, uh, you know, some people like the desert, some people like the cold, <clears throat> but uh, I, I can't imagine living in uh, weather like that. But uh, that's uh, the beauty of the body of Christ, isn't it? Uh, everybody, uh, the Lord has people uh, in different uh, environments and situations all over the world. Uh, what I'd like to ask you then, Chris, is why? Uh, why Mongolia? Um, why don't you just share, uh, every time uh, we have these uh, podcasts, I always ask the, uh, those that I'm talking to uh, just to tell us a little bit about their journey. So uh, tell us about your journey into missions. I, uh, I grew up, you know, church, um, kind of bounced around a lot with my mom as we were growing up, bounced around to different churches. But as soon as I got my driver's license, um, my sister and I, we started looking for a, a more permanent church. and. Uh, um, by the time I was 18, I ended up at, at a, a church in, uh, in Lakewood, Colorado, 
Um, back then, it was called Westland, Westland Baptist. Um, it's Belmar Baptist now. But, uh, you know, so I started going to church there. I was studying col in college to be, uh, I was going, I wanted, I was interested in uh, um, industrial design. And so I started studying that. And uh, I took a little bit of time off. because I was paying for school all on my own. And so I took a little bit of time off just to kind of work and save some money up. And so I was serving at the church and just really loved it. You know, I was working with youth group and uh, with the college group. Um, I was really happy where I was at, but I kept feeling like God was leading me to do something else. And it scared me to death because I, I don't like it in front of people. I don't, I don't see myself as a, you know, like, you know, I look at the pastor or the guys in front of people leading industries. And I was like, well, that's not me. I'll, but I was willing to do anything for God. So I talked to my pastor and he said, well, why don't you just go to Bible college and see where God leads you. And so I did that and I left. I started school all over again as a freshman and went to be, to a, a Bible college in Springfield, Missouri. And um, I took the missions course because it was the most, when I was, what I was told was most like well-rounded of the courses, you know, be a pastor or a youth pastor or whatever. Um, it, they kind of just covered everything. So during that time, God just, uh, just through the courses that we were taking, um, I just felt like this is where God was kind of leading me. You know, this was the kind of ministry God wanted me to do. And uh, in 2000, in the summer of 2000, I went on a, on a mission trip to Siberia with uh, about 12 other college students. And we traveled all over the, uh, the woods of Siberia, visiting villages. We went to some places where they hadn't had a, a, a Christian witness for 300 years. Mm -hmm. And um, it was wild. And we, during this time, we went to the, we went to the Altai Republic and the Boryat Republic and the Tuvan Republic. And the Boryat Tuvan people groups, they're Mongolian, they're a Mongolian people group um, related to Mongolians. They lived in Gares, they spoke a real similar language, um, just a little bit different dialect. And I just fell in love with the people there. And uh, I think it kind of bummed out the missionary that we were with because he was really praying that out of the 13 of us, we would all, you know, catch a vision and follow God back to Siberia to start church. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going south of the border there. I came back and I told my 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 girlfriend at that time, I was we were about to get engaged. And I said, hey, let's just figure out, let's, before we graduate, let's decide where we're going to go. Because um, I want to graduate and just, you know, I was, I was feeling pretty determined. And so uh, we prayed about it. And I didn't tell her what I was, I was already thinking about Mongolia. Um, but we both we both wanted to go to a, a least reached people group. You know, back then everyone was talking about the 1040 window. We wanted to go to a least reached people group. A friend of ours just was uh, looking to go. He got a, a video cassette from the English Language Institute of China. They were trying to recruit him to go into China. And they gave him a video cassette on Mongolia on accident. He was like, well, I'm not interested in this here. And he gave it to my wife. So she watched it. And she was like, Chris, I think that's where we need to go. Mm. And so it was really just kind of, it was a cool thing because I think Mongolia with the difficulties of, you know, the culture, the, um, the weather, you know, even like the, the political climate, because, you know, we're, we're here on visas, on our work visas. We're not allowed to have a missionary visa. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's good to both, for both of us to be called to this. Um, Stephanie, you know, she's an awesome godly woman, but, you know, like, like Keith Candy said, his wife said, you know, I'll follow you wherever you go. Your God is my God and your people, are my people kind of thing. Stephanie would have done the same thing, but I think here, I don't know, it's been, it's been very beneficial for both of us to have that calling. Well, uh, there's a couple of things that uh, you've mentioned that I, I think it's interesting. And one is that when you went to Bible college, you took a missions course, uh, I had a guy just recently say to me that he believes that every pastor 
Um, anybody that goes to a Bible college or a seminary ought to uh, take some missions classes. And I think that's interesting that whether you go in as a pastor, the youth director, or some other ministry, uh, missions uh, would be uh, well-rounded. Well, I think that's really interesting. Now, what is the language that they speak in Mongolia? Is it uh, Mongolian? Is it Mandarin? Is it uh, tribal? What is it? Um, the primary language is Hakh Mongolian. It's just Mongolian. Okay. The far majority of the people speak it. Um, we are living right now, we live in the central northern part of the country. So if you look on a map and you'll see a big, long lake at the very top middle of the country near Russia, that's where we live at the southern part of that lake. And this, and we live among a people group called the, the Darhat, and they speak a little bit different. Every once in a while, if you go, like in our village, most people speak, they speak uh, Mongolian, but if you go into the, like deeper into their territory, you start hearing less and less Mongolian. Well, yeah, there's, so there are some different, you know, there's some Tuvan, we have the reindeer people. And, but there's just a few of them that live in the country. Um, and we have Boryat. And so everyone speaks a little bit of their, their native language, plus Mongolian. How long have you been there now, Chris? Moved here August of 2007, so a little over 13. Well, that's great. Well, tell us a little bit about some of the obstacles. I, you mentioned briefly one of them is just the living conditions. Uh, uh, and uh, I do think uh, the Lord prepares people to uh, live in different environments. Uh, what are some of the obstacles that, uh, you know, or the challenges, if you want to put it that way, uh, that yeah. you have there uh, where you're serving? You know, I think if it's a challenge or, or not a challenge. It just depends on your perspective. You know, if, if uh, it, like you just said, it could be a challenge. It could be a difficult. When we first got to this village, uh, you know, there's, like so, when we lived in Ulaanbaatar, the capital of Mongolia, um, I think it's like 30% of the the population in, in Ulaanbaatar has access to running water, and everyone else gets water. They have a water cart and a big water container, and they have to walk down to a like a central water point and get their water and take it home. And so, uh, moving here, um, there is no nobody has central. You know, there's no water lines, and so everyone has to get their water, but there's no water water stations so everyone has to go to the lake and so it's been it's been pretty uh, our first year we would go down to the lake and especially like the rest of the year was no no problem and we we had a water pump and we would pump water into uh, some barrels take it to our house and refill it um, but the winter time was difficult because our lake gets very the ice is very deep and so um, I learned a real cool trick and it was just to be a little lazy and not go so early to get water let someone else go and, and pack, a, pack a hole in the ice and they would save you some some work um, but now we have guys that with they've built their own water containers on the back of their, their uh, flatbed trucks and they'll go and get water and deliver it to your house you just pay a little bit of money and so it's gotten a lot easier we've getting a little more advanced here in mongolia with our water system yeah. uh, but uh you know it's cold like eight months of, out of the year here especially like in our village you know we have July is our warmest month of the year, and then we'll have we'll have frost in August mm. um, on wow. the ground. So um, it gets cold pretty fast. Well, so you learn living it. You were talking about the water system. What about the heating system? Uh, I'm always intrigued with that. Now in Russia, they have the the centralized heat. Yeah. 
And so is that the way it is in uh, Mongolia as well? In the cities, yes, sir. Uh-huh. Um, to the to the like the local like the big buildings, um, apartment buildings. But if you live in a house, if you live, uh, if you have your own, in Mongolian, they just say if you have your own fence. Um, if you have your own yard, your you know the water is up to you, or the heat is up to you. And so most people have um, little metal stoves that they burn water to coal in. Um, we have like a, a pressurized boiler, and so we burn firewood, and then we it has a water pump that pumps um, antifreeze through our, our heating system, and that's, that's how we heat our house. Wow. Um, we heat the floor with a cement floor, so that holds the heat during the night, keeps it nice and warm, hmm. at least carries through to the morning, and, oh. um, so we don't have to light fires at night. Uh, that's amazing. Well, you said that uh, you're not able to go in with a missionary visa, but a work visa. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you do uh, in terms of um, having a visa that allows you to be in the country. Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of op- there was a lot of options open. Uh, actually, like two op- three options. One is to get hired on at at a business somewhere and just be a worker. I didn't want to do that because you're always at the whim of your boss. You know? And here, if you if you're working somewhere, it's seven days a week, twelve hours a day, and you just don't have time to do ministry. Back in 2010, when we we started our business, we first came in as students, so we had a three-year student visa. Uh, but then after that, we were looking at because um, we had a man-up feeding center, it's just a, a children's nutrition center that feeds kids every day, and so we were looking at opening up a a nonprofit. And just going that route, um, just with opening centers along with while we worked in our church. But th- at that time, the, com- the country was really cracking down and they were closing down a lot of nonprofits. Because you had a lot of guys that were, that had visas through their nonprofit but weren't doing anything with it. And so we, we just, you know, they closed, they, they had something like 120 families picked, up, picked out one, the winter before we um, opened the business. And so we said, we're not going to go that way. And so, uh, uh, we decided to open a business. Um, I'd never run my own business. I never, you know, I took, I think, one business class at, B- at uh, Bible College. I slept through most of it because it was always at 7 o'clock in the morning. But uh, uh, we we started with a screen printing business. We were the only screen printer in the whole country. And it was really difficult because everyone just had stuff done in China. And so, uh, uh, but we were able to get a niche and, and that. So that really helped us with be able to have, you know, because we could work our own hours. Um, we had to work because we got inspected constantly. Immigration would come by and call us, you know, call us to meet in their office and chew us out for not making enough money, not doing enough business. So it was really stressful to get started. Um, but we were able to, uh, uh, um, after after a couple of years, we got the business going pretty decent to where it would pay for everything on its own. And then we moved to the countryside and uh, we started a coffee shop because... Um, we just needed a place in our village where people could gather. In the wintertime, you know, there's people, um, they just don't go anywhere in the wintertime. They go to school, they go home, they go to work, they go home, and there's no, you don't see anybody. And so we wanted to build, create a, a place where we can meet people and you know, hold special events, whatever, and just get to meet the people in our village. And so it's been it's been really good. We shut down the screen printing company, and uh, we've just been doing this. We're getting ready to, uh, to move to our new village because our church has a pastor now. And so we we uh, just bought another coffee shop building. Hopefully, once the whole COVID thing kind of dies down a little bit, we're able to leave our village. Um, we'll go down and start uh, rebuilding that. 
and then uh, eventually move to this new village and start a new church. Um, but it's been great. You know, it's, it's, you work as hard as you need to, and you hire a lot of people as, as you can, as, you, as what you can afford, and, and trust them to run the business. You, know, you still come in and do stuff, but, you know, I, I do a lot of ministry at our coffee shop, and we do a lot of ministry even in our church. You know, I, I'm not allowed, I'm not supposed to go and like preach the gospel. I, I do it. You know, our, our uh, you know, immigration, they know I, I do it. They know that we, we serve at this church. And they've told us, you know, as long, because you're doing something good for our, our this village, um, providing jobs and helping the community, um, we're just going to look the other way. Oh, that's you know, so we've been, God's given a lot of grace with that. But now we're moving to a new place. And so it's going to be touch and go, just kind of testing people out and see how it is before we jump back into full-time ministry again. Well, tell us a little bit about the ministry. How responsive are the Mongolians to the gospel? And um, so just tell us a little bit about uh, the, the ministry aspect. People in Mongolia, they they were, you know, communists. Um, I mean, before communism in 1921, uh, they were Buddhist or uh, shaman. The Russians, they invited the Russians down to push the Chinese out. And when the Russians came in, they stayed. and brought in communism and so they took you know everything out they took monks out to the countryside and shot them um, burned books burned everything and uh and so people were just you know they were atheists for for a long time until 1990 and then they had a resurgence in 1990 with national pride let's find our roots let's figure out who we are who we were and reconnect with uh, with those roots there's you'll meet a lot of people that are still you know they're they're just like people anywhere else. You know, they're, they're usually re religious when they need it. Mm. You know, if they have a need, then they'll go to the temple. Mm. Uh, they'll go meet with uh, a shaman. But people aren't like diehard. You know, when you talk to the older people in the church, in the community, you know, our neighbors were, were retired. And our lady that lived across from us in our apartment building, um, when we'd go and we'd talk to them and share the gospel, I felt like they, they looked at me like I was a kid. Um, you know, when I was little, I loved Superman, and my mom would, I would get her to put, like, a, a tea towel around my neck, and I would fly around, and she'd be, like, pat my head and say, go on, Superman, go save the world. And she was just playing with me, you know, like, egging me on to go do it, you know, to live out my fantasy. So that's kind of how I felt when I would talk to the older community. They are like, all right, you little Jesus boy, go, and, you know, that's a nice story. And they would always listen, huh. but they were like, yeah, you're just telling me a nice story. Go on and go, go have fun. Huh. Um and so it was. It was hard with the older people. They're not impossible. God, with God, nothing's impossible to reach. Uh, to reach these people, but we've we've seen a lot more of the second generation people that have been born after communism. Because the first people, the first the people that lived during communism, they were taught not to think. You know, so you would talk to them and say, "Hey, you know, we'd be talking with them about about our beliefs because they always want to know. You know, oh, so you're you're American. Why did why in the world would you leave America to come here?" And so we would tell them because, you know, Jesus said that the way, the truth, and life, and if, if I really believe that, then how can I not go and tell other people about, about Jesus so they, you know, so they, they can find a new life in Christ? You know, we would talk about, like, eternity. You know, and we'd say, haven't you ever, everybody wonders what's going to happen after we die. Sure. And they would say, I have never thought about that in my entire life. You know, they just don't think because... Because of their, their, their lifestyle, I think it's, it's tied to their lifestyle because a lot of people don't have refrigeration. You know, they just think about what I need for today. So they wake up, they go to the store, they buy only what they're going to eat for today. They don't buy ahead. You know, so COVID has been really difficult because people have had to like, think about, the, you know, the future and they don't have the funds for it. They don't have, they don't have the concept of like buying ahead. 
when they come into our house, they're like, man, it's like your houses are a grocery store because we stock, you know, some, we stock some stuff. Well, how many uh, but the younger people are much more open. They're much more open to the gospel. Um, it's harder for them because their parents are very much, you know, hey, you're Mongolian. If you're Mongolian, you're Buddhist, you're shaman, nothing else. We're not taking on this foreign religion. Uh, a lot of a lot of young people, college age students, they really struggle because they feel alone in their faith. They don't have encouragement of their grandma or grandpa or you know someone older in the faith in their home to encourage them to, to grow in Christ. Um, and so the church family really becomes their family. Christmas is, uh, is is a great example of this because in America, you know, where we grew up, we go to church, but it's a and we 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 celebrate Jesus. We do Advent. We read about Jesus throughout. You know, we learn about Jesus all through through the month of December, uh, how he's coming and why he's coming. But then all this, a lot of the celebrations with family, and here, Christmas is nothing. It's it's just New Year. It's just part of New Year. So it's not a Christmas tree. It's a New Year's tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on Christmas Day, they want the whole church to get together and let's celebrate Christmas together as a, as a family, because mm-hmm. they don't have anybody else at home to celebrate with. So it's been it's been different. You had to be a little more. You know, relaxed with your your family tradition. Hey, uh, you mentioned that uh, you'll be moving to another village, so you have a church established where you are now, and do you have a pastor? I mean, uh, just kind of give us uh, an idea. I guess what I'm asking is the growth of the of the Christian community. I've read in some places where uh, it is very rapid, in other places it's very slow. So. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, establishing your church, training the national, and moving on to another area. This village has had a Christian presence since uh, 1990. So um, there was a European guy, I think he was from Sweden, and he came in the very beginning. And he stayed for a number of years. Um, uh, an American family came here, and they're still here in town. Had a kind of an accidental church plant where their, their Mongolian language instructor was a believer, and she started teaching um, Bible studies with the youth. And uh, so they had some kids get saved and had a church kind of start out of that. And then when we uh, we turned our, we finished our church in Olabater, we were looking for a new place to go. And this family here called us and, and said, you know, hey, would you mind coming out here and just taking over this church? Because um, they had been, they just didn't know the language and they, they didn't have anybody to lead the church. Um, you know, you can't, you can't really disciple people in a, outside of their heartland so uh they they asked us and we came out and watched the church for about eight months while the the husband went home to take care of his dad and then uh when he came back he just asked us to the church so we we prayed about it and agreed to stay so the church was already kind of had been going for a number of years um, it wasn't real big and there was a lot of turnover here when you get outside of the capital you know well the way mongolia is set up everything is centralized in the capital of the country all of education it's the hub for for work for industry for everything so the moment people have an opportunity when they go to college they don't come back and so you have a few people that were stragglers and stuck around and then you have kids as soon as they you know they're they're raising their kids and as soon as they're ready to go they're gone we do a lot of training we're just here temporarily until we we can raise up some leaders to do to lead the church on their own it was a struggle for a long time because guys just weren't really interested Sure. taking on leadership responsibilities you know they ha- they have a lot of things to think about with their animals and with their work and their families and if fishing or something else comes up if they have any free time they're gone mm. so um, it was it was a struggle for a long time 
and uh, we so we started doing internships to try to bring people out here to uh, maybe catch a catch a glimpse of of a need and we'll to see what it's like you know that you can actually minister and live outside the capital mm. and uh, so we did that for about three or four years um, every year we had one or two people come out intern was our was a guy from our first church in Olabacher and he called me and he said hey I want to God's called me to plant a church would you train me? Mm. I said okay come on out and I um, he had to raise his own funding to come out because we didn't have any money to hire him or the church couldn't afford it but he came out and after a year um, he said you know I really feel like God, this is where God wants me to stay. And we talked about it at Lane Church. I had gone without a Mongolian pastor for a long time. So mm. for God to provide that way, and with a guy that we already know and we've already worked with and trained, um, he's a, a fantastic young man. He's got a great wife, good kids. Mm. He's mm. going to do a good job. So we're really blessed. We're excited to move on. So <clears throat> why are you moving to this, uh, uh, this uh, new place? And apart from the fact that you now have a, Mongolian pastor where you are. Um, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about uh, where you'll be uh, moving, when, you're be, when you'll be moving, and why. The why is because there's just not a lot of people. Mongolia, like the, the church is growing, and people are starting to get interested in missions and church planning. But there's just, it's still in, in its infancy stage. And so this is just a lack of workers. We have people that are interested, but they're like their, their churches are saying, well, wait, we finally got this guy that's really good. We don't want to send him out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, just because, you know, there's the half of the villages in our in our province. Our province has 24 cities, villages or towns, and only half of them have a church plant. Mm. And so we, this is something that's been heavy on our heart um, since we've been in the, since 2013, since we wow. moved here. It's something that we've been praying towards, you know, like God send us a church planner that we can send out. And so uh, since we have an opportunity to go, and so we're going to go. And we found this village that uh, it's called Great Mountain. So in Mongolian, it's Ihol. And uh, uh, there's a huge mountain that looks like the Titanic sinking next mm. to the village. About 4,000 people, and it's got a big river. It's a beautiful place. A lot of herdsmen live there. And uh, there's, there's a little bit of industry there, but um, not a lot of tourism like, like here. Um, but the people there are super friendly, it's, which is weird. Even for Mongolians that go with, they're just like, what is this place? This, this is really strange because people are, like wave to you first. They'll uh. like, open the door for you. It's really like, what is going on? But there's no church there. Praying about this village for about a year. So we bought a property to, uh, to build a house. We've tried finding a house, and Mongolians just live in a one-room building that's real small, and they're poorly built. And yeah. So we, uh, we had a church church. Uh, graciously give us some money to build a house and uh, we bought a property right next to the the town's big buddhist monk like their main monk <laughs> so wow. i'm excited it's gonna be interesting he's also a drunk <laughs> so um he, he gets upset sometimes and yells at us when we're over there working but it'll be it'll be interesting we'll have a we'll grow, we're gonna make friends are you uh, gonna start another coffee shop there yes sir we can't move with our visa we can't like have our business in the village we are now in hospital and go there and just live there so we have to and so i'm happy to do that you know it, it's been a great avenue um we do you know a lot of community projects and like english classes photography classes art classes um family movie nights things like that to get to bring people in hmm. outside of you know just being able to come in and enjoy a cup of coffee and get a cake or something and and so uh uh it the community really appreciates it because we're we're, we're able to hire a few people give some um, provide some jobs 
and and it gives them a place to go and hang out. Yeah, that's um, still the, the whole like hanging out thing, you know, sitting across the table and just enjoying time with your friends is still a new new idea, a new concept in the countryside of Mongolia. Hmm. So they uh, they see it in UB in the capital, and they really want it. So um, it'll, it's going to be really fun. Well, I'm really looking forward to this. Well, I could talk to you forever about this, but uh, let's say uh, someone's listening uh, to the podcast and they say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in uh, Mongolia or that part of the world or uh, that type of uh, ministry slash uh, bivocational type of work. What would you recommend for someone listening to this? They're wondering where God might lead them and in serving, uh, if they were interested in Mongolia, what would be some of your recommendations? Um, you know, a, a big help, you know, especially with diving into what you know they call like business. As this was not taught, you know, when we were when we were in Bible college. There's a lot of groups out there. Me yearly, you know, they have like conferences to like help people to understand what this really means. The the B4T Business for Transformation. Um, you can look online and you'll find multiple conferences. You know, just networks of people that work together they'll coach you um, if you're looking into going if you're wanting to go and serve in a, in a country um, that doesn't allow religious workers if you're allowed to do religious work then do it go and serve and find ways to get involved in the community and meet people but if you can't you know um, if you're going into a country and a lot of places are changing a lot of countries are changing how you know their rules on immigration and, and who and how many religious workers they're allowing hmm. and so um Find one. I would suggest finding some of these groups, and uh, just connect with them, um, and just see, you know, because they'll 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 give you ideas um, as far as like you know, what kind of business opportunities there are. They'll be coaching. There's even opportunities um, for financing. Even you know, if you if you don't have financing through through your churches and your, your support, um, there's people that can help with that. We've been blessed. We haven't been had to do that yet. That was that was a, a really big help. And there's a lot of books out there. Sure. Um, there's a guy named Patrick Lai, L-A-I, and he wrote, he's written some books on, on business as mission. Hmm. And so uh, they're, they're very helpful and informative. And, and uh, so you go and you move over to your country and you use your business to further the gospel. You know, you have to run your business because you're, you got to be an upright citizen. You know, you don't want to get kicked out of the country, but you use it to promote further the gospel. Uh, God will be honored, and uh, he'll use it as long as if you give it any kind of offering to him, he's gonna he's gonna use it. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's what I would say. Just find a group. Well, great, Chris. I appreciate that. Uh, anything else you want to share with our uh, our listeners before we uh, have to conclude um, this? Yeah, yeah. Real quick, you know, one thing um, that was a real blessing to me, you know, because Mongolia is rough. It was rough. There was times especially when we first started our business, we have to get, we have our visa that says, you know, we can live in the country for three years, but then we had a residential card that our visa said we had to leave every 90 days, but then we got a card that says we can leave once a year. We don't have to leave uh, every 90 days. Mm. And so that was, that's a really important document to have. And they would, uh, it was just really difficult. I would get like two weeks. Um, they would, you know, then I have to reapply for this card and go through all the process, and the finances, the cost of it. Sometimes they give me six months, then they turn around and give me a month. And it was just a, an immigration guy that just didn't like me. And I just, for some reason, always got stuck with that guy. <laughs> you know, when you're constantly battling this and, and uh, you get, it's frustrating, it's hard, and you're dealing with a culture that's not Christian, 
and uh, they don't understand our culture. We don't understand their culture. Um, it was just, it's a very different culture from, from the United States. And sometimes you just get really frustrated. And there was a point where I was just ready. You know, I, I, I come home and see my wife crying on the bed one too many times. And I said, I called my pastor. And I said, we're done. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to make my wife sit through this anymore. But having a mentor, having someone uh, that has been there, been through the difficult situations is really, really important. Hmm. Um, I'm really thankful for Keith Gandy. The, there's another, another gentleman, his name is Tim Downs. He, they both put on a like a yearly conference in, in Europe, um, just to kind of encourage the missionaries in Europe to because they have a lot of attrition. And so those guys really um, they've become near and dear to us, their family. And any if there's anything that ever happened, if there was a, a weird situation, I needed some counseling with like how do I deal with this situation, this person or whatever. I could call them any time of the day. I knew if the situation was bad enough, they would fly here. And uh, so having those kinds of guys around was 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 key. You know, um, Tim Downs told me if you can make it through your second term, I'm not going to say he said it's not going to get easier, but you're going to have your roots <laughs> deep yeah. enough. You're not going to want to leave. Yeah. And so, and it's been true. Um, we uh, so if if you're serving, even if you're pastoring in the church, or if you're do, you know you're working in the uh, youth group or something, you know, having someone that you can talk to um, and just get advice from and share and just be you know just say. Even to, like talk about your struggle, really important. Those guys have been a a blessing in my life. You know, I can't I can't say enough about mm -hmm. the importance of having some of those guys in your life. So if if you don't have someone, get someone and yeah. and really um, uh, just dig into that relationship because it's super important. Well, that's great. Well, Chris, I've really enjoyed listening to you and and hearing a little bit of your story. So I appreciate you uh, taking some time to do this. I know right now as we're doing this recording, uh, your wife's mother is very ill and we want to continue to pray for her as well as the rest of the family. And how many kids do you have? We have three. Okay. And uh, they're, they're in Mongolia with you, I'm assuming? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Yep. Well, great. Well, listen, thank you very much, Chris. And God bless you. And we will... Uh, I look forward to uh, maybe talking to you again real soon. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Well, I trust you enjoyed that interview with Chris in Mongolia, as I did. You know, sometimes because of poor internet connections, it's not always uh, as clear as we would like for it to be. But nevertheless, it's great to talk to people uh, around the world. As always, thank you for listening. You can find our programs on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. Uh, feel free to share these podcasts with others as we try to upload a new podcast each Monday. So until next week, God bless you and Happy New Year. Bariki. No problem.